Okay. That's is that a problem? Is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. It's too late now, isn't it? It's I can't really now. change my voice. Sorry, you need to go back yeah. and get born again. <laughs> 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 This is Layers, a conversation about building brands with more depth. Hey, this is David Layers. This is the second part of our chat on 13 ways you can build depth into your brand. If you missed the first podcast on this topic, just head back one episode and you can pick up the chat from the start. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, number seven, uh, inclusiveness. It's cool to be kind in the right measure. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I think inclusiveness is important because not only is inclusiveness good as a for a society, um, but it's also good for for brands as well too. And the the classic one, the one that I always disliked, was the the Billabong one, which was the only a only a surfer knows the feeling. <laughs> I just always found that as a really arrogant uh, <laughs> statement, and mm. and. There's truth in it in, yeah. the, in the sense of, and I can understand why they use that and why that was their tagline for such a long, long period of time. But I've noticed that it's now not that anymore. Mm. But that was it for like 25 years, maybe longer. Yeah. But yeah, I just think you know inclusiveness is is important. You know, in in society and in in, in brands as well too. That you know you have that element of it. Yeah, I mean, I probably take this one as a bit of a horses for courses one as well. I mean, yeah. It's interesting you you mentioned the Billabong one there and whilst I tend to agree with you, I think there is an element there though of, I guess, community or tribalism. You know, there there certainly is for some brands you are trying to appeal to a certain set of people and not the rest, if you know what I mean. You know, we we talk about it a bit in terms of niching or, you know, being really clear who you're going after and that you can't be everything for everyone and not necessarily saying that that's right in their case, but I think it is an example where being clear who you're for and then just really honing in and appealing to them, you know, can be quite valuable. Yeah. I think the general social aspect of being inclusive but not, you know, and not being, you know, willfully ex- exclusive or, you know, or derogatory to any groups or whatever is good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I think, again, sometimes it, it can actually be part of the strategy to almost create a tribe. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I think I think the thing is the, the, the tribal aspect is important if you're – especially if you're an early-stage brand as well too, mm-hmm. I think, you know, just having that, that core group of dedicated enthusiasts around whatever the, the, the topic or the subject yeah. or the brand is about yeah. – can be very, very helpful. Mm. It's just it becomes a bit more challenging as you want to try and scale a brand and, and you know, I think you, you've got to start thinking about, okay, how do we make this brand a bit more inclusive? But yeah. I think the early kernels of any brand have, have got to look like it's, it's more, more um, based on tribes. Yeah, I think maybe even what we're getting at there is partly in the, the way you go about it, you know. Yeah. So, you can be stand for a certain group or try and appeal to a certain group, but you don't have to do it in a way that is deliberately or you know overtly alienating everybody else yeah for sure number eight uh all right so we're ticking them off association association's always been um, one of the the foundational elements of of building a brand Mm -hmm. um and what i mean by association is that it's your it's this idea of pairing your brand with uh whether it's a lifestyle or an image or an outcome that sort of 
sits very nicely on the shelf of your offering. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, this one's tried and tested and it works and there's a lot of psychology um, in and around this. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think association is something that you want to think deeply about. So, for example, like um, one of the brands that I follow is a wetsuit brand and the wetsuits aren't really featured that often in their social media. <laughs> it's more surfing remote locations mm. because I guess they realize that that customer that buys that type of wetsuit it is is really into like travel and and getting off the beaten track and and you know that's I think very clever in the way that they've kind of pitched that brand. Yeah. So I think yeah the association thing is still a really important part to any modern uh, framework. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the oldest tricks in the book, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> if you drink this Gatorade, you'll be like Michael Jordan. You know, it's yeah. the cool by association, or you know, uh, you know, sort of unspoken benefit that you know is implied that you'll get by buying this product. And yeah, you're right. It's it's definitely 100 percent still still very relevant and viable today. You know, if anything, probably becomes even more so as as the whole point of this podcast as a way to differentiate you know because if there are a lot of same wetsuits you feel like one sort of gets you or represents more of the lifestyle that you aspire to then you're definitely going to create a stronger brand affinity with that yeah yeah absolutely so it's definitely for me it's one of those things where it's like this is like that added layer to keep adding to your mix you know so you probably, if you're only trying to differentiate on this aspect, you know, but your product isn't great or your service isn't great or whatever, you're going to lose out. Mm. Whereas to me, it's like if you focus on those things first and you've got them nailed, but then you can add this layer of understanding and community, I think that just boosts what you're already doing. Yeah, and I think it's really important to think about like higher ideals as well with Mm. your, your, your brand, like... Yes, we offer accounting services, but what is the higher thing? What is the higher purpose yeah. in all of this? And sometimes it's a tricky one to answer. But, yeah, association, as you say, is like one of the oldest tricks in the book. But it's still really important. It's one to definitely keep resurfacing, keep thinking about because it's, it's one of the, the ways that you can you can win. You can win on that point alone. Yeah. All right, environment. Save the trees, win customers. <laughs> It's one close to your heart, Dave. It's you know? always been close to my heart. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, in, uh, sustainability and, you know, the environment and and how we are creating our brands for the future have to pay attention to the to the environmental aspects. I mean, there's lots that have been said on. We've talked about this quite a bit as well on our podcast. But, you know, aligning yourself with environment and, and with sustainable practices is I don't think it's even a nice to have now. I think mm. it's a mandatory for all brands to start thinking that way. Like look at look at what, um, say for example, I think one of the best things Woolworths ever did was you know was you know started to you know ban the plastic bag. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know those grocery brands took real leadership on all of all that stuff. You know, look at the huge amount of difference that that's made already. Then yeah. that's only really a small token of the the things that they could be doing mm-hmm. and heading in the right direction. But, it, but it's difficult as well too, you know, like for example, one of the other brands that we work with, Plants in a Box, uh, there's there's plenty of things in their packaging and materials that they want to shift over to to things that are, you know, biodegradable, compostable and, you know, compost inside of 45 days. Some of those products just don't even exist now on the mm. market. So, there's an opportunity out there downstream if you're one of those packaging manufacturers to, to actually, you know, 
make sure that you articulate that yeah. because you will win customers that way. There are there are brands out there that are actively seeking, looking to find people to, to work with. And so there's a there's an opportunity for for sure. Yeah. Do you have any ideas then for you know brands in the services space there, or like other ways that you can I guess align yourself with that or contribute to that movement that are less obvious? Yeah. I mean, I, I think with services brands, it's a little different, right? Because we don't we don't tend to use resources in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like we don't necessarily have a lot of packaging. A lot of it is just knowledge, right? Like it's transfer of knowledge yeah. and and producing. So yeah, I think it's I think it's more challenging, but I but I don't think it's any less important. So for example, you know, the the building that you're renting, you know, can you influence, you know, the the owner to put some solar panels on the roof, for example? Yeah. You know, what is your policy around Printing emails and <laughs> and paper and just yeah. you know like when you're printing like actually for like you know you know some of those assets that you might use to take to to customer meetings like are they printed on recycled stock or are they printed on you know new stuff so yeah it's just thinking about like every business when you think about the touch point of every business there'll be an opportunity there to yeah. in which to yeah which to reduce I don't know what about you do you do you see an opportunity there or oh yeah like you say I mean. You know, you, I mean, there's even ways I think that you can sort of donate, you know, some of your profits again to take it back to the causes thing that we talked about. You know, you can invest in carbon offsets or tree planting or something, even if it's not not as direct as you say with the packaging example. There's, there's opportunities for every brand, I'm sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Number 10. Made right here. And And I think this is... This is an interesting one because back in the 80s, I don't know if you remember, but like TV commercials, there seemed to be a lot of like Australian made was like a, oh, yeah. it was like a huge thing. Right? Yeah, I remember the, the triangle with the kangaroo in the middle, the yeah. Australian made symbol. You yeah. can see that flashed across the screens for sure. Yeah, and this is not to be nationalistic in any way because that's not what it's about because there's many other, you know, good places to source manufacturing from and, and probably cheaper. But... But it is an interesting thing. Like I think it's almost a bit novel, especially to a, a newer generation of consumers. Like say, if you're between you know 15 and 30, like you probably haven't really been exposed to the the made right here in whatever country. But it, but it is an interesting way to differentiate and and to to talk about your products being made here on our shores. Therefore. You know, the, the environmental aspects are interesting there too mm. because you're not having to ship it all the way from, you know, over in China, for example. So, yeah, I think the made right here thing is is really interesting to me. Like that's a place where I reckon you could really differentiate again. Yeah, and I think to just build on a point that you made there, I think that what to me what makes it interesting is is teasing out those additional benefits of that, like, why should we care in this day and age? Because I think you're right that it used to just be purely nationalistic or at least a lot of it was, you know, that yeah. oh, I'm Australian, it's Australian main, yeah. you know, too right. Whereas now I think especially that younger generation that you're talking about, I think they're less, you know, caring about that. They live in a much more global society, you know, and, and I don't think they really care as much purely about that part of it so to me it's identifying and communicating like why should i care about that you know as you say is it the environmental benefit is it some other reason that being australian made is good 
Yeah, I think this particularly applies to to food producers. I mean, we have, you know, amazing food and crops that are grown right here in Australia. And and so I think food is a really important one. But there are the like raw materials that don't necessarily need to be shipped across the other side of the world to be made to then be returned back into Australia as well. So, you know, and I think quality is another interesting aspect as well too. I think that's something you can really lean on. That's definitely a pillar like if, if your product does have really high quality, yeah. th- then you should be talking about it and linking that to the Australian-made aspect. Mm-hmm. And the same goes if you're in America. Like I noticed that there's, there's more and more American manufacturing going on. They're bringing more of that back in to their own country. I mean, the, Germany has always been a classic one as well too. You know, mm. It's like Volkswagen is still manufactured in Germany, you know, yeah. but they're just using lots of lots of great engineering and innovation to, to make sure that they do it cost-effectively. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Number 11, common interest build communities. Yeah. You know, community, that's, uh, I guess that's the, almost like the holy grail for every brand is to, to say that they have a legitimate community. Yeah. And I think Seth Godin said this best. He said, we simply have the privilege to talk to a community, to connect a community and perhaps to lead them for a while. But it's just a mistake to believe that they're ours to to do with as we choose Mm -hmm. and i think those words are pretty pretty true in that sense yeah for sure yeah i think that certainly you see it that the you know a lot of the strongest brands i guess are ones that inherently fit into a community that already exists and you know by virtue of the product or other lifestyle messaging associations etc that they i guess they just boost what that community already wants or you know gives them more what they want whereas the other way around would be to try and manufacture a community that doesn't exist or, you know, sort of more that kind of pushing selling mentality of, of mm. just creating a need where a need or desire doesn't exist. So certainly, yeah, if, if you can understand your community and what they're about and, and really, you know, get to know them, that's, that's a huge boost for your brand. Do you think you've got to come from a community of enthusiasts to really build an authentic one? For example, like if you were really into, say, mountain bike riding mm-hmm. and you came from that community and you produced a product that was helpful for that community, do, do you need that for authenticity or do you reckon you can you can build it the other way, like where, you know, you just come, you come up with your product idea and then you go and find the community? I mean, do you think that's possible to do that? I'm sure it's possible. There'd probably be a number of examples, you know. I think sometimes the the whole passion angle does get a bit overblown. Mm-hmm. You know, it's certainly, I think, very helpful. And, you know, if you're especially talking about entrepreneurship, you know, you need a lot of that passion, I think, to keep going, mm. you know, when things are tough. But I think it's, you know, it is possible the other way around. I mean, if you're, I guess, analytical enough to, to look at a, you know, if you want to get, so I guess, super analytical about it and look at a, a segment of the market and do the research to understand their needs and then come up with a product that satisfies their needs in a new way that hasn't been done before, you can do all that without passion. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, certainly, as I said, I think that trying to manufacture a community where there isn't one is very difficult. You know, it's to me, it's it's usually more the other way around where you're trying to I guess align, you know, as you say, it'd be ideal if you're aligning your passion with a community that exists to create a brand or product that, you know, really fits in and and boosts their wants, needs, lifestyle, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Let's talk about environment and specifically 
the environment that you come to, to work in as well too but also as a customer the, the spaces you come to visit I mean the one that always comes to mind is the Apple stores they're just the the epitome of of the clubhouse yep. and and where the community does gather as well too mm-hmm. but it, it is an it, it is a place where you can win on brand as well too and I think if it, what, what brand doesn't really have um, some physical touch point mm-hmm. and so thinking about how you use that to your advantage is is a way that you can win i think because it's an opportunity to really tell the story in a really rich and and deep way and even i mean even the office that we're coming from now you know there's there's an opportunity on on these walls as an opportunity within this this office to to do a lot better than we are currently doing at the moment you know, <laughs> there's always an opportunity i think to, to try and build that that sense of what the brand means in, in a physical way. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, think about in office spaces, about shop spaces, you know, any physical touch points that you have as a brand, mm. but, you know, that that is an opportunity for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, an interesting extension of that is even then for brands that are largely digital and how they tap into that, you know, whether it's as simple as, as even their own offices, you know, to create that touch point for their internal customers being their staff or if it's, you know, through things like events and meetups and stuff like that where they're, I guess, forcing people to get out from behind the screens and, and interact on a human level. That's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Digital brands, you know, it's no point putting your head under the, the covers. Like that's a huge opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you're even seeing it from a lot of e-com brands where they're, you know, almost going backwards and, and opening up some flagship stores or yeah. showcase locations, you know, where you can come in and touch and feel the products. It's still important even if they don't have 100 stores, you know. Yeah. They're still trying to create those physical human moments. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we all got so excited about digital 15 <laughs> years ago and what it, what it would open up. And, and it, it is curious to me that it doesn't matter how digital the world becomes how technology how strongly technology is playing and influence our life we still want that human element more than ever i think actually yeah all right and then let's talk about lucky number 13 and this is you know positioning is probably one of the most critical things that you can do and a lot of what we've already talked about is actually driving towards positioning yeah but uh you know claiming that position and crafting your message that's going to be a critical factor and not being scared to to go and stake that territory and you know say this is this is our domain this is our niche this is what we want to do yeah that is becoming even more and more important don't try and be for everybody i guess yeah Yeah, i mean for me this one is really kind of the culmination of all the others and probably the trickiest in the sense because i think what we're really saying here is like you probably can't do one through 12 and do them all well. You know, it's actually to me about, about choosing, you know, again, the two or three things that most align with your brand and community and product and, and what you stand for and finding those, you know, I guess the, the unique way that you even then combine those few things together. You know, we were talking before about all birds and to me, it's interesting how, you know, they've done the simplicity, they've done the environmental thing, you know, they've done the, you know, community aspect probably to a degree as well. They've selected those few things, but then they've put it together in this very cohesive package as well, you know. So, it's not just about picking those things, but wrapping it up in a in one coherent story. This is what we stand for. And as you say, really 
crafting that message to lay claim to your your corner i guess that you're fighting for yeah yeah absolutely that's the that's the biggest takeaway i think is yeah making sure that you just you craft that message that you stake that claim and that you find your position in the market yeah because it's got to be clear and understandable you know yeah like you, if you try and be all these things it's just going to be super wishy-washy and absolutely. and not cut through yep yep 100 percent Beautiful. Well, we got through 13 things in one podcast. 13 things. That's that's a record. Good stuff. All right. Well, um, thank you, MC, for stepping through that. No worries. Thanks, Doug. See you next week. Cheers, mate.